0: You are Locked On Rams, your daily Los Angeles Rams podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Rams Nation, what's happening? It is your boy, your host, Sosa Kermendz, a fantasy analyst at Pro Football Focus, and your host of this extravagant, dope, Locked On Rams podcast, your number one daily podcast covering the Los Angeles Rams. Today's episode is brought to you by Bilbar. Go to BiltBar.com and use the promo code Locked On and you'll get 20% off your next order. Welcome to another fresh week with your boy. This is going to be your Monday episode of the Locked On Rams pod. We've got another five episodes, one every day coming for you this week. It's going to be another good week of off-season coverage for the Los Angeles Rams. And today's episode is going to be an interesting one. We're going to talk about three separate topics like we usually do. And we are going to feature the safety positional review we're getting near the end of this positional review series, so make sure to stay tuned for that. We're going to dive into another segment of the Mock Draft Monday in segment two. I did another Mock Draft using the PFF Mock Draft Simulator, came away with some new names. I think we're going to have some fun breaking those guys down. And then in the final segment, we're going to talk about the finalized coaching staff for the Rams entering this 2021 NFL season. There's been a ton of shakeups. And not only that, but a lot of the coaches on the staff currently Got some different roles. Some guys got some promotions, So that was good to see. But we're going to take a look at that in the final segment. And I did mention that we are going to begin with the safety positional review. And we are going to use the PFF numbers, the in-depth numbers here to help us break down how the safety group worked out for the Rams this past season. As we know, I did split up the safeties and cornerbacks. There was probably just a little bit too much to talk about in one segment. The cornerbacks get an A-plus from me, the most dominant cornerback unit in the NFL, And now we're going to dive into these safeties who maybe were every bit as good, if not as good, definitely very close because they had one of the premier elite safeties in the league this season. And John Johnson, according to PFF, he was the third highest graded safety with an 85.3 overall PFF grade. Now their second highest rated safety was Taylor Rapp, who did not have the season that he wanted. He only got to play nine games. He only started, I believe, five. And it was pretty much a lost season for him, unfortunately. Going into the season, he had a hamstring injury, which didn't really allow him to start the season off right. Jordan Fuller grabs the starting spot because of it. And then Rap kind of comes in, plays okay, and gets knocked out again. And we never really heard anything from him or an injury update or anything of that nature while he was on IR. But he finished the season out on IR. But it was an unfortunate season for him in general. Now, he did rank... 34th among all safeties in PFF grade with 67.5. So it wasn't all that bad, especially for a guy who we know can play a lot better. And the last graded safety for the Rams, the last guy that qualified with the minimum snaps requirement was Jordan Fuller as the 41st graded safety with a 65.6 PFF grade. Now, when we dive into the actual numbers, John Johnson was targeted the most often, which makes sense. He played the most coverage snaps for the Rams in their secondary. He was targeted 66 times and gave up 50 receptions, which I know seems like a lot, but it was only for 353 yards and three touchdowns, 18 first downs, though he did have one interception and seven forced incompletions. And he was very good and asked to do a lot in terms of his role as the premier safety for the team. He had to drop back in single high coverage at times, and we've seen a lot of range in those instances. And specifically, the one game that I recall was the Chicago Bears game where he broke up multiple deep passes. He had to go into the box, play as a pseudo linebacker, had to get physical with his run fits. He was really asked to do everything, man coverage against tight ends, and he showed the ability to do all of that. When you look at the passer rating allowed, a 96.3, not very bad. That's a lot less than a guy like Jordan Fuller. It is a little bit more than Taylor Rapp, but Taylor Rapp had a much smaller sample size. And that's why we're going to continue with these names here. Jordan Fuller targeted 35 times, gave up 26 receptions, 385 yards. So targeted about half the times that John Johnson was and actually gave up more yards. He also gave up three touchdowns, 17 first downs. That's just one less than John Johnson. Though he did have three interceptions, two against Tom Brady, which was kind of funny. They were both the 199th pick in their respective NFL drafts. That's kind of a cool tidbit there, but... He was a solid playmaker, 6th round rookie. He came in and immediately established himself as a potential starter. And I feel like he started the season a little bit stronger than he ended it. But he did have a mid-season injury, knocked him out for a couple of games. And it slowed down his progress a little bit. But very solid rookie season. You never really expect guys in the 6th round to come in and start from day 1. But he managed to do that, filled Taylor Rapp's role while Taylor Rapp was nursing that Hamstring injury, which kind of screwed up the beginning of the season. And ultimately, Fuller is a guy to keep your eyes on moving forward. I think the Rams really like him. His leadership ability, a lot more of the stuff than just on the field stuff. And when you look at the passer rating allowed, 102.7, that's the highest among the safeties on the team. But again, he was asked to do a lot as a safety as well. And he was really just thrown into the fire, if we're being quite honest here. The remaining names didn't have many big sample sizes, obviously. Taylor Rapp allowed nine receptions on 11 targets. Nick Scott, six receptions on 10 targets. Terrell Burgess, four receptions on seven targets. So nothing crazy there. Taylor Rapp only allowed 87 yards in coverage. Nick Scott, 57. Terrell Burgess, 30. Two first downs allowed for Taylor Rapp. Four first downs allowed for Nick Scott. One first down allowed for Terrell Burgess. And all three players had one forced incompletion as well. So very decent there. You look at the ratings allowed. Taylor Rapp actually allowed the lowest passer rating among all safeties for the Rams with a 61.7. He also had an interception on the season. Nick Scott allowed a 75.8 passer rating to targets in his coverage. And Terrell Burgess, a 67.6. So there's a lot of quality here. I feel like there's a lot of good starting quality. I mean, John Johnson, Jordan Fuller, Taylor Rapp, and Terrell Burgess, that's four potential starters in your secondary at just the safety spot. And we do know John Johnson is a free agent coming up here in a few weeks, which is kind of a ticky tacky situation. We don't know if the Rams are gonna try to re-sign him. We don't know if they even wanna re-sign him. They're very limited when it comes to cap space. We do know that. And John Johnson has positioned himself to go get a massive deal in this market. And I don't know if the Rams are gonna be able to match that. And even if they could, I don't know if they have that much interest in doing it. They've been happy to let safeties walk in the past. We've seen it with guys like TJ McDonald, Rodney McLeod, LaMarcus Joyner, all these different names. The Rams did not elect to re-sign. And John Johnson could just be the next in line. That would suck. Obviously, John Johnson is a tremendous player, a great guy, great leader. He was actually the guy that called the plays for the defense this past season. He had the green sticker on his helmet, as they call it. And he's a tremendous player. He's very versatile. He allows you to do a lot of things. But I feel like the Rams knew the possibility of him leaving at the end of the season. That's probably why they drafted Taylor Rapp two years ago and Nick Scott. And then this past draft, Jordan Fuller and Terrell Burgess. So they poured a lot of resources into the safety spot. They are well positioned moving forward, even if John Johnson does walk. But I do think you got to give a strong effort to at least trying to bring John Johnson back and keeping that dominant secondary together. Give them another season to go run it back. Try to be the number one defense again. And ultimately, keep leaning on the strength of your secondary. That is the biggest reason why the Rams dominated on the defensive side of the ball last season. And I hope that that's what they continue to do going into the future here. I think either way, they're going to be well positioned to continue to dominate in that secondary, whether they do ultimately let John Johnson walk or whether he finds his way back to the team, whether that be by the franchise tag or a long term extension. Talking about the defense, the Rams are going to need some adjustments when it comes to the pass rushing units, as well as the inside linebacker spot. And those are two of the positions that we did address in this most recent version of the mock draft Monday. We're going to talk about that in the next segment. We're going to go through my picks and break down the players that I selected. And while we've got you, make sure to come connect with us on Twitter. You can find me at QB's MEP, and you can find the page at Bet BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Get real-time updated odds and props on almost everything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds, and it's the best way to place your bets and it's free to sign up. Just go ahead to the website right now or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. That's BetOnline.ag. Today on the Locked On Today podcast, is the relationship broken between Russell Wilson and the Seattle Seahawks? Get more of the sports news you need in less time with the Locked On Today podcast. Subscribe to Locked On Today wherever you get podcasts. Welcome back to the second segment of this Monday edition, the first podcast of this week for the Locked On Rams pod. We're going to dive into the Mock Draft Monday segment and portion of this episode. I did go through another Mock Draft, and I came away with some good names. I'm pretty sure I didn't draft any of these names before, maybe one of them, but I think for the most part, we kept it nice and original here. We're going to try to keep mixing and matching new names, give you guys a look into what the Rams could look to draft, certain names to look out for, and we're going to kind of just break it all down. And we are going to use the PFF draft guide which I've mentioned before the best resource when it comes to the draft bar none and to begin with pick 57 I went with Ronnie Perkins the edge rusher out of Oklahoma this is a guy that I think could immediately come in and start for the Rams as an edge rusher now he's a little bit on the lighter side he's 6'3 and 256 pounds or at least that's what we have him listed as so that could spark some issues in terms of his ability to come in and stop the run but at the end of the day pass rushers need to affect the passer. That's the bottom line. We know that that's why they get paid. They don't get paid to stop the run. They get paid to affect the passer. And that's what Ronnie Perkins can do. Now, some of the numbers are maybe a little bit worrisome in terms of the sack numbers. Only six in 2018, five in 2019, and three in 2020. But he did have a dominant PFF grade of 90.5 this past season only on 262 snaps, which is a little bit low, but he did also have 10 hits and 19 hurries this past season and five hits and 21 hurries this season before in 2019. Looking at some of his strengths and weaknesses here, his biggest strength, according to our lead draft analyst, Mike Renner, is his flexibility and his biggest weakness is his upper body strength. So again, that does reiterate the idea that Maybe this is a guy that should just come in and rush the passer at first, try to develop that strength and try to continue to get better as a run defender. And his projection is in the third round. And the bottom line is that Perkins came on in a big way in 2020, but he's likely a designated pass rusher until he adds a strength element to his game. So again, we talked about it needs to add strength needs to get better as a run defender. But if you're looking for a guy, you could spark a nice strong addition to the pass rush. Perkins is absolutely one of the names that we have to look out for in the middle of the second round. The next guy I drafted with pick 101 was Jameen Davis, the linebacker out of Kentucky. Staying 6'4", 234, he's a junior. Came in with two dominant grades over the past three seasons in 2018, a 91.7. Now that was on 31 snaps, so please take that with a big grain of salt. But in 2020, an 81.6 grade, very solid. Very long, lean guy. He moves very well. I think he fits the great, idea of what a linebacker is today he can drop in coverage he can move around he can spot drop in zones he's very long and lean he can move very well he can open his hips and run and these are all things that excite me about the potential of adding a guy like Jameen Davis here I think like Perkins he would be an absolute day one starter no questions about it and I think that kind of speaks to the weakness of the inside linebacker spot as well as the edge spot for Perkins on the Rams roster. They're not very good at these spots. And if they happen to lose a guy like Leonard Floyd in free agency here, it's only going to get worse. And so that's why I went with the edge rusher linebacker duo with the first two picks. I think if you come away with two starters in your first two picks, that's obviously great. And not only that, but I mean, your defense that was the number one ranked defense last year could very well get even better if you upgrade two spots on the defense that were arguably the weakest spots on that defense. At pick number one hundred three. I went with Trey Smith, the guard out of Tennessee. He worries me a little bit because there are major medical concerns. I don't exactly recall what he had. I think he might have had blood clots or something very serious, and that's obviously going to knock him down a little bit in terms of the draft board. But that's why you get a potentially starting lineman in the third round, maybe even later. I think when we actually talk about the NFL draft, he's probably going to drop even further, but. This is a guy I've really liked for two years now. Very powerful. You're going to see some of the best pancake blocks you'll ever see in college football coming from his tape. So strong, so powerful. He drives through his hips, through his legs, garners a lot of strength. But at the same time, it can kind of slow him down. I think he probably fits best as a power blocking gap scheme, man scheme kind of running game. And the Rams have sort of started to transition to more of that last season especially with k makers in the backfield so i do think there's a space for a guy like trey smith now he played a little bit of left tackle in college a little bit of interior offensive line i do think he's a guard at the next level and the medicals are a big big question mark but at the end of the day if you can live with some flat-footed reps every now and again and he passes the medical test obviously that's the biggest question mark you're gonna get a guy who's very powerful very good developmental player a guy that had round one hype dating back to last year. So this is clearly a guy who has talent and I would be willing to take the shot on him at that spot. With the next pick, I actually traded back from number 140 to 149 and picked up 218 in the process. I traded with the Atlantic Falcons. I figured, let me pick up one more draft pick if someone's interested here. And that's exactly what happened. And I went with Dwayne Eskridge, the wide receiver out of Western Michigan. We've talked about him a lot over the last few weeks. The Rams had a pre-draft Zoom call with him. Very explosive with the ball in his hands. One of the most dangerous yak threats in this draft class at the receiver spot. A guy that could kick return, punt return. He can offer a lot of juice in that regard. And at the end of the day, he is a guy that can take the top off of the defense. Very dangerous vertical threat. He brings another element of explosiveness to the Rams offense. And that is exactly what they should look for in a wide receiver if they have any interest in actually adding to that room in this draft class. And with the final three picks at 210, 218, and 251, I went more with positional needs as opposed to guys that I necessarily love in terms of the development potential, but I drafted Shamar John Charles, the cornerback out of Appalachian State, William Bradley King, the edge rusher out of Baylor, and Kenny Yaboa, the tight end out of Mississippi. I think all three guys would add a little bit to the roster in terms of some skills that they do bring to the table. Bradley King, he went to the senior bowl. We got to look at that specifically, as did some of the former names like Trey Smith and Eskridge. He was also a very talented pass rusher in terms of the grades, according to PFF, in college, his three seasons in college. He did also have 21 sacks. And Yeboa, the last pick, the tight end, he is more of a tweener between the receiver slash tight end spot. But I would be intrigued to add another guy with Gerald Everett on his way out. The Rams do have Bryson Hopkins as the tight end too, as of today and prior to free agency kicking off, but I do expect him to at least address the tight end need again. And at this spot, Trey McKitty was available, but I did draft him in a previous draft. I think maybe once, maybe even twice. So I wanted to keep it fresh, but I do think ultimately the Rams are going to find a way to draft another tight end, whether it be a guy like Yaboa, McKitty, or somebody else. I do expect a day three tight end to be added to the roster moving forward in the NFL draft. That is the end of this segment. Another Mock Draft Monday wrapped up. We're going to keep doing that next week. But going into the last segment, we're going to talk about the coaching staff, which has officially been technically finalized by the Rams as of right now, going and heading into the new fresh 2021 NFL season. And make sure to keep checking back in with us at the Locked on Rams podcast. This week, we're going to have cap guru and salary cap expert, my colleague at PFF, Brad Spielberger, help break down what the Rams are looking like in terms of their salary cap situation and guys they may be able to re-sign as well as some potential price tags for those guys. The fitness industry is incredibly confusing and oversaturated with BS. On that note, there are plenty of protein bars and protein snacks on the market and I promise you I've tried all of them throughout my 155 pound weight loss journey and none of them compared to the Built Bar. The Built Bar is by far the best protein bar that I've ever tried. I've tried them all, like I said, They have a different kind of texture. It's more cakey, it's more brownie, batter-like, very different compared to any other protein bar I've ever tried. They have so many different flavors, 18 to be exact, very delicious ones. I'm telling you, you cannot get bored. They're all very different. You got some coconut, you got German chocolate cake, toffee almond, really everything you can imagine. They're super, super delicious. They're healthy. They're low in calories, low in sugar. They have 19 grams of protein per bar. They're high in fiber and they even work for you if you are on the keto diet and you even get a free cooler with your purchase while supplies last. Just go to builtbar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON20 and you'll get 20% off your next order. Just use the promo code LOCKEDON20 for 20% off at builtbar.com. NFL analyst Brian Peacock and former NFL scout Matt Williamson host Locked On Peacock and Williamson every Monday through Friday. Brian and Matt give you the national perspective all around the NFL covering all the latest news and insight on every game, team, and move around the NFL. Get your picks, previews, and much more every weekday with the Peacock and Williamson Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the final segment of this Monday edition of the Locked On Rams Podcast, your favorite podcast covering the Los Angeles Rams. I had another fun episode with you guys, and we're going to dive into this final segment here, and it is going to be surrounding the Los Angeles Rams coaching staff, it is for better or for worse, essentially been finalized heading into the season. And as you guys are probably used to by now, more coaches on their way out. Some got promotions, the majority of which actually got promotions. Some just felt like it was time to go, guys like Aaron Cromer. And the Rams have now pretty much finalized who they're gonna go to battle with, go to war with in this next season. And I think we have to give Sean McVay The benefit of the doubt. He knows what he wants in terms of his coaches, the schemes he wants to run, the kind of guys he wants in his building to essentially go to war with. They have to win with all of these guys in the building buying in. And so far, this is the list that they came up with. Some names did get different roles in terms of the coaching staff or front office. Some guys got promotions. Some guys got added titles to their names. So we're going to kind of just cover that here and go through it. Obviously, defensive coordinator. The new defensive coordinator is Raheem Morris, the special teams coordinator. Again, another new coordinator, Joe DiCamillis. Both of these guys replace the departed Brandon Staley, now a head coach with the Los Angeles Chargers, as well as John BonuMego, who didn't depart the team. He just got a new role in the, I guess, coaching staff. He is now the senior coaching assistant, no longer the head of the special teams. And I think after last season, that is probably justified. It did not go well on the special teams. You look at Thomas Brown, who was the running backs coach last season. He is now also the assistant head coach, I believe that role was Joe Barry's while he was with the Rams. And now he's obviously the defensive coordinator with the Green Bay Packers. So a nice little added title and kind of like a promotion for Thomas Brown. You look at the offensive line coach. The Rams just recently parted ways, aka mutually parted ways with Aaron Cromer. And they did hire Kevin Carberry of Stanford. So another new coach. You look at the assistant secondary coach, Jonathan Cooley. He was with the Rams last season, but this is a new title for Cooley. I don't know much about him, but again, another coach that gets another promotion. You look at Marcus Dixon, the assistant defensive line coach, another new coach on the roster. Edgero Evero, someone Rams fans probably remember by now. He was the secondary coach, and now he also gets an added title. The pass game coordinator of the defense. Very interesting. Eric Henderson, the defensive line coach of last year, another added title. He's now the run game coordinator, so the Rams do have a pass game coordinator, and a run game coordinator on the defensive side of the ball. I don't know if I've ever heard of that before. That's fascinating, interesting, and it's obviously nice that guys are getting certain promotions. Clearly, Sean McVay wants to add titles to these guys' names, more responsibility, give them a reason to stick around, give them more work on their plate, let them continue to advance their career. so that's good. A couple of new additions here, Nick Jones, offensive assistant, another one in Chris O'Hara, so two new guys. You look at Wes Phillips, who adds another title to his role as well. He was the tight ends coach last year, and now he's also the pass game coordinator on offense. So that's kind of fascinating. And then other than that, not much has really changed. You look at Chris Shula. He's now the linebackers coach. That is a new title for him. And Dwayne Stukes, a new addition as well. He is the assistant special teams coach. He was not with the team formerly. So a ton of shakeup, as you can imagine, there are probably five, six, seven coaches that are brand new to the Rams staff. And then you look at the other side of it, A lot of guys that were with the team last year either transitioning into new roles or getting promotions, so to speak, getting new job titles, probably putting a little bit more work on their plate, letting them continue to add stuff to their repertoire. These are guys that obviously, like regular people, want to add things to their resume, so to speak, more roles, more responsibility, the ability to do a lot of different things. All of these guys, I'm sure, have aspirations to become head coaches or you know advance their coaching careers and i think sean mcveigh has done an amazing job at allowing his staff over the past four seasons and now especially going into this season to continue to advance their careers he's never really held anyone back he did block the kevin o'connell interview i believe it was from the los angeles chargers but that was a lateral move at best for o'connell i believe they also wanted to interview him for an offensive coordinator role Now, he could have called plays there, I think, and he doesn't call plays for the Rams, so it is a bit of a tricky situation with that, but at the end of the day, Sean McVay has done a good job at developing his coaches, giving them responsibilities, giving them more tasks, more things to delegate in favor of those guys. They've all really went on to different spaces, guys like Zach Taylor, the head coach of the Bengals, Matt LaFleur, the head coach of the Packers, a lot of different guys now, Brandon Staley, the head coach of the Chargers guys that went from smaller assistant roles or position coaches to either improved roles, promotions, wherever it may be. This is a coaching staff. This is a franchise and a building that does a good job at getting these guys advanced in their careers. And I think you have to take your hat off to Sean McVay for building that foundation and really giving all of his guys a chance to always go succeed elsewhere. And I think it begins with things like this coaching staff here. You see a lot of guys getting promotions for their hard work. See guys getting added titles to their names, more responsibilities. Hats off to Sean McVay. I think the Rams do a great job and are one of the key franchises when it comes to actually developing their coaching staff and helping these guys move on for future success at different spots throughout the league. That is all we got for you guys on this Monday episode of the Locked On Rams pod. I appreciate you guys as always for sticking around for the whole episode. It was a good episode as always. I think we got through plenty for just one episode and make sure to keep checking back in with us we're going to continue our offseason coverage for the los angeles rams and i did mention earlier that we are going to get pff salary cap expert and cap guru brad spielberger my co-worker at pff to come break down what the rams situation is when it comes to the salary cap just a reminder you can come connect with us on twitter you can find me at qbs mep and the page at locked on rams and please subscribe or follow to get our latest episodes content breaking news and a whole lot more